awesome. We're recording now. <laughs> thank, right. you for the, thank you for the uh, the rolling. Um, dope. Well, uh, welcome to the No Name Podcast. Uh, our name will be uh, announced at some point or later. Um, yeah. But we have more important things to get to than our name. Uh, we have a topic, uh, which is hot, just like everything we usually talk about is pretty hot. Um, hot topic. But oh, yeah. <laughs> first off, um, you know, I want to introduce you uh, to me. My name is Dom. Um, I'm a 31-year-old black man uh, from Northwest DC. I live here in Richmond, Virginia. I have for years. And um, I am joined here by some great friends of mine, um, which I'm not going to introduce y'all. You know, you, you can introduce yourself. You know. Carl, why don't you go? Oh, Carl. Hey, I'm Carl. Uh, I am also a person of color. Uh, you can call me black. Um, I grew up in Northern Virginia for most of my life, but my family is from uh, the South and West side of Chicago. So a lot of uh, what I've learned about race and color um, has been from, from their backgrounds and even some personal experiences uh, throughout life. And I've been in Richmond, Virginia for about 10 years. So I've definitely seen some change here too. Yeah, I'm Jay and I'm a 32 year old white male and uh, love walks on the beach and pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. No, um, uh, basically, yeah, I grew up in Virginia Beach, the most suburban place on the planet. Um, yeah, safe suburbia. That's kind of where I come from in my background. Um, but yeah, and uh, glad to be here. Uh, glad to be working with you guys on this podcast. And uh, I've been in Richmond uh, pretty much, you know, Overall, 14 years. I took a year off where I was in Boston, but uh, besides that, yeah, I've been in Richmond, wow, for such a long time. So, glad to be here. Lots of Richmond natives. Um, hi, oh. everyone. My name is Kelly Jane. I am a 25-year-old white woman. Important to know. Um, for better or for worse, I'd say this is the first time in my life that I'm taking my anti-racist journey seriously and really trying to educate myself and be humble and listen. And I'm hoping to use this opportunity as a way to uh, model that for other people, model what it looks like to seek understanding and have a learning heart and be vulnerable along the way. Amen. Definitely glad to have you guys. Uh, super grateful for you guys. And um, I'm sure this journey is going to be huge for the four of us um, yeah. as you know, we have a lot of ideas, um, but let's get into the meat of why we joined in the first place. Um, I had this vision, y'all, that people, especially looking through social media, um, people are choosing sides. And, you know, I almost had this vision of like the Civil War, you know, like I would imagine like, oh, man, this is this must be how it started. Mm. It, you know, they didn't have social media back then, but you know, they had letters, <laughs> you know, they had, uh, you know, town meetings and stuff like this. And I was like, it, it must have started this way where fighting, infighting ensued. Mm -hmm. um, people on different sides, opposing views within uh, communities, within family households, uh, within cities, right? And things started to, to split apart. Dissension uh, is real. And this country fought a war about it, uh, about that dissension. And, you know, we're coming to a time where, you know, we've been inside for so long with um, the quarantine and 
Um, you know, then we have an influx of more murders of black men by the, the hands of the police. And it has everyone in the uproar. Um, some people understand completely and they, they ally themselves with Black Lives Matter. Um, they definitely support their black and brown friends and family. Um, and that's awesome. But then we have those who don't understand. Uh, we have those who are even angry about it. Um, and I felt it. I felt that there needs to be a platform in which we discuss these topics that pull these two sides together, that allows them to learn about the other side's point of view and allows them to even inform them of a different point of view they can come to themselves. Um, they can even kind of change even within what we talk about. They can learn about stuff that they don't know about and they can hear it um, and even inspire them to uh, spark up conversations with their neighbor. Um, what, what we are promoting or what I would like us to promote is conversation between two opposing views um, so that we both can learn to love each other and grow together, right? Um, it's important for people to seek the understanding of the person that's opposing them. Um, but right now what I'm seeing is just two opposing sides. Um, and I feel like we stand as the mediators. Um, so this platform is for us to flesh out ideas, to have fun, <laughs> uh, to learn from each other uh, and to grow and to even uh, get to talk to some people in our city um, and learn from them. And hopefully they can learn from us. Hopefully we can unify this city with this podcast. So let's jump into our first journey. Um, our first big topic is uh, seeing color, which is a hot topic, y'all. I'm going to tell y'all. Um, seeing color, the, the coined phrase is, I don't see color. Um, or, you know, some people just don't say that at all. They, they see it as taboo. Um, but why is it taboo? I guess his meaning is, I believe everyone to be equal could be one meaning. Say, I don't see color, which they're trying to, um, they're trying to communicate that they see everyone as equal. The other side is, they say, I don't see color. Well, they might be saying, let's not make race an issue by not acknowledging it as one. Um, so the first response there, I believe everyone to be equal may be genuine feelings, right? Um, but the second response may just be used to be uh, a tactic to avoid feelings of discomfort about race. Because um, the truth is some people, they have no problem with talking about race. They embrace it. They learn, they grow, but some people avoid it. Um, and I want to get into why, why do they avoid it? Or why do people avoid talks about race? Um, okay. I guess, yeah, you know, I guess what does seeing color or I don't see color mean to you guys? Let's start anywhere. Whoever's, whoever's got the, got the idea of what, you know, seeing color means to them. I can start. Um, I think not seeing color at some point in time may have been 
a compliment or a victory, like a moral victory. Like instead of me being this bigoted, hateful of anyone that looks different than me kind of person, becoming colorblind, so to speak, air quotes, um, is a, a step forward. It, it is a place that is beyond hatred in a way. Um, I think that is how I had expressed that in the past. Um, I remember when I was in college. Um, so growing up, I lived in suburbia, same as Jay, um, and the high schools I went to were these like quote unquote gifted programs that were like a school within a school. They were super insular, very, very separate from the rest of the school and 95% of the students there were white. Um, and then the students who were not in those gifted programs tended, especially because these gifted programs happened at schools that maybe had lower test scores for whatever reason to like boost them up. These were kids that had less resources um, and they probably had a lot of reason being black to be angry or disrespectful or um, resist authority in some way, but I didn't see it that way um, growing up. And so that was kind of my idea of what a black person was because I just wasn't really around it. Then I get to college, um, become a Christian, have all these amazing black brothers and sisters, such good friends of mine, such a, a godsend. Um, and so when I was moving into my first apartment, I was living with three other black women. And I definitely remember thinking like, wow, I'm so colorblind. Look at me. Like I, um, I'm not taking their race into account. It was honestly, I feel like it was literally months before I realized, oh, I'm the only white person here. Um, and that to me felt so like such a victory. And I'm sure that there is some victory in that. But what I've come to learn is that being colorblind in that sense erases people's identity. Being black is something to be proud of. It's also something that has to be carried and comes with a lot of weight and a lot of pain for people. So for me to just dismiss that is really um, invalidating and wrong in that way. So I can, I can see both sides. I can see where people laud it as this like positive thing, but I think the next step to take is empathy and that will change the view. Right. Right. I feel that. Yeah, I'll, I'll add a little bit there. And um, I think your first response, Dom, I, I would say was, is my understanding uh, when, when I first hear the term colorblind, the idea of, you know, treating everyone as equals. I don't know if it maybe is, is some people's way of applying Martin Luther King's quote of, you know, that we would not judge people by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe it really has a noble uh uh, maybe a noble motivation behind it this idea of like we're not going to judge people based on their skin color but rather we're going to look at them as just human beings and everyone we're going to look at equally uh but un unfortunately i think it's a noble idea in theory but unfortunately i think just that it's it's not feasible to uh to actually be colorblind uh you are going to see color <laughs> um it is it is a matter of fact and uh i think just because as well we, we have a culture and a society that uh, hundreds of years of racism that has affected our worldview and uh, whether we like it or not that we've grown up in um, maybe we may think, think to ourselves oh I'm not racist or I'm not 
you know, I'm not uh, against any person of any color or anything, but we grow up in a society uh, that, uh, you know, perpetuates it uh, and through different means uh, over the course of hundreds of years, uh, it's going to be embedded in our, in our, in our conscience. Um, mm -hmm. And so it, it's, it's inevitable that we're going to have these biases that we're going to have towards people of different races, uh, just for whatever different reasons uh, that we would, uh, you know, just based on the fact that we can't ignore it. It's right in front of our faces. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah. And from my point of view, I can see so many reasons why people would avoid it. Uh, one of the bigger ones that surface for me is just the, the fact that it makes people uncomfortable um, on either side. So if you're a person of color, black, or if you're not a person of color, uh, for the person of color, you know, somehow seeing that uh, colorblindness is maybe just a, a conduct, the way you behave in the real world just to avoid confrontation or just to avoid making other people feel uncomfortable um, or it's just to avoid making myself feel uncomfortable. I've had moments where I did not want to realize that I am black um, for certain reasons, whether it's being pulled over or because someone said something or did something or they, uh, or if I perceived that they would think I could be capable of, you know, of a stereotypical uh, behavior. I just didn't want to be reminded of that. Um, and uh, I think that's just common across the board. Um, so it's conversations, it's uh, what you see in the real world. At work, I've had many conversations lately about all of this, and I think it makes people really uncomfortable, even when we need to talk about it. Right, <laughs> right, right. Um, I want to hear more about Carl's experiences getting pulled over. Um, yeah, so it's just, there've been times, uh, so I remember the very first time I got pulled over. Yeah. And it was, uh, I don't know if it was because I was racially profiled, but it was in my mind, I was definitely going to get away, um, get a, get a ticket or something was going to happen. Mm. None of that happened. Um, and the last time I was pulled over, uh, the very last time I was pulled over, it was right after a recent incident, um, uh, headline worthy incident with police and with uh, a black individual who was shot and killed. Um, both the cop and I were very, very nervous. I was hands mm. on the steering wheel, uh, trying to be as respectful as I could. And this is before I had a real job. So I considered, you know, the color of my skin, the clothes I had, I was about to go work on a house and the condition of my vehicle. And just the, the timeliness of the, the, the recent shooting, um, he... Was it daytime or nighttime? It was daytime. Um, I think he pulled me over for legitimate reasons. He saw a headlight out. And I had a sticker that I didn't realize had expired. Um, but he was nervous. He hung back, uh, I think, as what is protocol. Uh, you can hear his voice. It was shaking. We were both professional and respectful. Um, but the air was really, really, thick. really thick. Thick. Goodness gracious. I'm trying to think of a experience that I had that I, I forsook 
Forsook is that forsook a word? Forsake. Forsaught. Forsaught. Are you foreseeing something? Forsaught a word, right? Forsaught my color. Wait. I'm trying to think of an experience where I, you know, has anybody ever had an experience where they forsaught their color? Wait, that, that's a big Forsake, yeah. Forsake. 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 <laughs> yeah. Forsook. I'm saying forsook from now on. <laughs> yeah, I have. I'm trying to think of it. I have another question too for you, Carl. Okay. But I want to. I want to know if Jay or Kelly Jane has ever forsook their color. You mean like not really had to take it into any consideration at all? Right, which raises the idea of have you even have you have you had to consider your color? Very rarely, honestly. Um, I'm trying to think of situations where my whiteness has even felt like a negative thing. Um, I think that part of white privilege is living sort of in a bubble and like you don't realize that the whole world caters to you so it just feels really normal and natural and feels like the default like yeah this is just how life is um until you mm. crack open the fact that the world was built around you at the expense of other people um so i mean i'm thinking like one time i was at camp um and a lot of the girls in my cabin were black maybe all of them and i was definitely aware of it then and it felt like sort of like a social pressure to like talk a different way or act a different way um but the the worst thing i had to worry about in that situation was not being liked i did not have to worry about my livelihood at all mm -hmm. gotcha yeah um anonymous says i have a lot of anonymous posts yeah. or uh messages this is not the this is not the hacker group that's known online this right? is not this is not the hacker group this isn't v um, <laughs> where's where this response from uh i got this response from anonymous um this this person says i mean just to kind of chop it down because there's a lot what this person said but this person says i couldn't tell you when I realized I was white, it's the default. So I never had the revelation or I never had some revelation of the differences there. And it made me think, I was like, man, when did I realize I was black? I think, I think the moment as a baby or whenever a child can realize things, I think I realized that I was black. <laughs> the moment I could realize, like I think that was like one of the first things I think that's one of the first things I ever realized. Wow. Was that I was black <laughs> and everybody around me was black. <laughs> wow. When did you first realize you were you were brown? Me? Yeah, I'm talking to you, Carl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I think it was when I one of my very first crushes in kindergarten. Uh, it was a white girl and I used to talk to her under the lockers during nap time mm. and, uh, and we'd, we'd hold hands, but wow, it was addressed when I somehow talked about it to my parents. Um, 
but I think I can't say they thought it was wrong, but I remember my father saying, um, he remembers, uh, at a very young age thinking black women were beautiful. And I think that was one of the earliest conversations I had about romance, but also about my race. Mm. You were tiny. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Some comments from Anonymous said, color shouldn't matter. And I want us to dive deeper into that statement. Mm -hmm. Color shouldn't matter. But from my, from my point of view, at least my life, color has always mattered. But that's because of historic matter. Like that's from, you know, mm -hmm. historically, um, if you go back far enough in this country, you know, um, you know, uh, African-Americans were, weren't considered human. They were considered superior and subhuman. Um, you know, uh, three-fifths of, of a person. So, but that's because of your skin color, right? Like you were considered that based on your skin color. So, you know, I, I guess you, you would think that time would eradicate that. Mm. But I think as even, even in a black community, I think realizing and embracing your color is almost a defense mechanism and oftentimes um, a safety measure. <laughs> I think you need to see color <laughs> um, even, even for a safety standpoint um, of knowing, like Carl said, like, you know, I immediately realized, okay, I'm a, I'm a brown man, a black and brown man in this car um, on this road and these things are happening. Okay, this could be a situation because of it. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess, how important is color to you? I guess it's a good question. How important is color to you? To all of us personally? Mm-hmm. Or how important should color be? I don't know. Spitballing here. Yeah. Huh? I an interesting question like in an ideal society if we lived in utopia and or heaven one day should color matter i think there's something to be said about celebrating cultures celebrating the things that make us unique and special god loves variety you can just look at the different colors of flowers and see that as a fact um i think you're right that knowing your color for people of color is has to be sort of a defense mechanism um and i'd love that to change i love to be able to see color not as something that divides us but as something that invites learning invites like just even in a simple way like if a black person invites me over to their house for a classic like black cookout that I hear amazing things about. Um, like that, that's an invitation. The, the always present, you're invited to the cookout? That notion? The, wait, the notion of like a perpetual invite? What do you mean? Like, like the, um, the saying 
you're invited to the cookout. Oh, I didn't even know that was a saying. That is a thing. Yeah. Wow. Really? I guess I. It's I considered an honor to be invited to a black cookout. Yeah, I totally think it is. I, I think that's that's a way of like sharing, hey, this is my culture and I love it. I love my family. I love what we spend the time doing. I love our food, uh, the way that it brings mm -hmm. us together. So I, I, guess, I guess what I'm saying is I wouldn't want to lose that. I wouldn't want to lose the celebratory nature of seeing color, mm -hmm. um, but for the time being, it's something that is divisive um, and I think that's really unfortunate but it is something that I think we as white people need to recognize that it's a luxury for us to not have to feel our color all the time. Yeah and something you said there was pretty profound um, and I just, it's just from your observation you said knowing your color is a defense mechanism. Uh, that just reminds me of one of the recent incidents where uh, you know, the police were called, you know, a police, an emergency response was uh, used as a weapon against somebody mm -hmm. who was in the park. And we won't go into it too much, but that immediately, you know, draws attention to that person's race and color. Mm -hmm. And now, now they're very aware and now they are very much afraid for their life. Yeah. And whenever something happens because of race, um, we are now aware of this, um, this fact that we are of a different color and we have to deal with it in a way that's not celebratory to your point mm -hmm. and in a way that, you know, that kind of makes us inferior or makes us uh, suffer. Yeah. 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 Jay, I'm going to kick you something, bro. Sounds good. From the movie Remember the Titans. Mm. Yep. Okay. Great you movie. Well, left, strong, left side. <laughs> strong side. <laughs> you called me off guard, Jay. I'm sorry. You called, <laughs> he called him off guard. He called me off guard, bro. <laughs> um, so, in, in it, there's a scene where uh, Denzel Washington's character. Um, Herman Boone is speaking to um, his, uh, I guess, assistant coach. The, he, he used to be the uh, the head coach. Um, I forgot his name. Yeah, um, I forget his name too. He's the guy who was in Armageddon name. as well. I just don't know. Right. Um, yeah, he's the one that has the daughter and stuff like that, you know. Yep. Um, yep. So they're speaking, they're talking, and they come up with the, the point of um, – of I'm looking for the best players. And I'm going to go back a little bit, but Denzel Washington becomes the head coach. Yeah. And he ensures the other coach, he's saying, hey, you know, I'm looking for the best player, period. So join me on my staff. And, you know, the white coach is like, oh, you want me to coach under you? Take orders from you, you know? And he's like, if you see it that way, but you know, he was, you know, the other coach is like, what about my boys? What about my team? Cause Denzel Washington had a lineup of black players. Right. And you know, Denzel is like, Hey, you know, I'm looking for the best player. Color won't matter. Hmm. 
my question is, what's the difference between saying I don't see color and color won't matter? Interesting. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I, at least from, from the context of that character and that part of the movie, it seems like color won't matter means, you know, you getting a job here is not going to be based on whether or not you're white or black. Mm. It's going to be based on how talented you are, how well you fit into our system. Mm. If you're going to be the, like, you're looking, he's looking for the best player overall. So he's not going to use color or race. He's not going to use that as a uh, barometer of measurement to help mm. determine which player he'll use. Uh, and uh, whereas I think with I don't see color might be more like, you know, I'm, you know, it, it, it even, it's, I think in that sense, I don't see color is more of just, it's more of this like, hey, we're going to avoid, uh, you know, just we're going to look at everything on the same level playing field, but in regards to color. Like, it, it's interesting because, you know, here it's like, I think when they say, I don't see color, it's more like they're emphasizing race. Mm -hmm. And like, it's only going to be like, no race is going to be considered. So it's almost as if we're not going to emphasize one culture or one race or over another. We're not going to do any of that. But in the process, you end up not embracing, you know, any any of the different unique races that we have here in our world, all the unique colors that we have. Um, but ultimately, I could I definitely see that. Okay, like, and if we were to apply that to, you know, our world in regards to like the employers looking for you know employees and everything like that, it makes sense that you try to find the best employee, right? Right. And not looking not you know, okay, well, I'm just going to hire this person because they're black. I'm going to hire this person because they're white. Uh, but hiring because of their, you know, character, or hiring because of their work ethic, hiring because of their uh, resume or, you know, their accomplishments, their skills or what have you. But mm -hmm. I think ultimately when you bring them into the company and you say, well, I don't see color, it's almost as if you're, you're shutting down anything that makes them unique. Mm. And, uh, and you want to keep things on a shallow you know, playing field, level playing field that's shallow and not really appreciating the diversity of others. So it uh, behooves you in a sense, I think, to be able to see color because you then get a chance to really um, let people shine uh, and uh, where everyone has their unique um, backgrounds and experiences and uh, can really make a difference in building the collective to be better uh, and have greater understanding with one another. Okay. Okay. Uh, which leads to another question about this is that um, a lot of anonymous has said a number of times that it's important. Seeing color is important, but only as it pertains to accepting and embracing and celebrating someone else's culture, heritage, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But it is not important when it, impacts the choices that you make about how you think about this person or approach this person. Mm -hmm. Once their color impacts how you treat them, that's when we get into territory that is unacceptable or wrong. But I guess what, what, what is brought up, what Anonymous also brought up, uh, is color versus culture. Mm -hmm. Is color culture? Is culture color? Yeah, that's a great question. 
I, I think our brains are wired to categorize things because right. to see patterns and our world is chaos without them. Um, and so color equating to a culture, I think is one way that our brains categorize things. I can make a ton of assumptions about someone's culture based on their skin color. But I think we need to be careful about that and really just get to know people as individuals. Like, I think, mm -hmm. like I might have all sorts of assumptions about Jay because Jay has red hair. Uh, <laughs> um, Jay has red head, y'all. Yeah. He has red hair. Well, I, I just actually, I didn't realize that till today, guys. I mean, this is wow. crazy. Wow. Awakening. I'm sorry if I pointed that out to you before you realize that yourself. Um, anyway, um, but it, you know, and, and I can have those assumptions and it, it might cause me to ask certain questions or approach things a certain way, but I think it would be wrong if I didn't have an open heart about those assumptions mm. and didn't get to know Jay as a person. So I think they can be helpful categories in general, like we need categories to make sense of our world, but I think that really needs to be paired with humility. Yeah, I want to stay on this topic, but sub question, would you equate skin color to maybe eye color or hair color? Or do you oh, think that's problematic? Yeah, it's probably pretty problematic. I, yeah, I guess I just chose red hair because it's- No, I'm, I'm just asking, I'm not accusing you. Oh, no, 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 right, no, right. no, 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 no
established while they were enslaved. Um, and then as part of their survival and, you know, somehow it's, it's boiled down to what we have today. And it was the black barbecues, um, it's the music, it's all referential to where this culture comes from. And it is because of the color of our skin. Mm -hmm. I can't say that. I personally can't say that my skin, this color of my skin is my culture, but there's a culture associated with the color of my skin. Right. Which is different from, I think that's, that's just the, the journey of the African-American uh, journey in this country. You know, like that's mm -hmm. just, I think that uh, African-American is a different type of breed altogether of a person only because of the experiences of history. It's not, it's, it's, it's hard for African-American person to shed their, their pride in their skin. You know, they, they've had to, I feel like African-Americans have had to learn to love themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Learn to love their skin because everything has said the opposite. Yeah. Right. And that we've learned to love it. It's hard to be like, I don't see color. Like, well, you have to, <laughs> I just, I just learned to love my color. <laughs> I want you to, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now you're yeah but um culture i guess is you know would culture and heritage be the same thing and that's just i guess in some instances heritage i guess that indicates you know the the history that leads up to it so it definitely plays an important role for instance like um like kwanzaa okay is heritage hip-hop well, let me not use hip hop. Hip hop is both to me. <laughs> hip hop is both to me. <laughs> hip hop. Hip hop yeah. is hip hop but, is both. I see where you're going, but yeah, if if we were to delineate like that, hip hop is culture because it's like it's graffiti. There's MC and there's uh, dancing, uh, break dancing. Um, there's also history. There's also heritage. Yeah, there's there's a lot yeah. of history to it. Pretty much the '70s and on. Yeah. I guess when it passes generations, when it becomes a generational mm -hmm. culture, it, it is heritage. Mm -hmm. So maybe all heritage is culture, but not all culture is heritage. I don't know. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Um, which brings me to my next topic or my next question. Um, this is where it gets kind of spicy, and I want people. I want y'all to jump in on this. Right. Seeing color as it pertains to entertainment and the choices that we make. A lot of people, Anonymous has said many times, I don't see color, or at least they didn't say I don't see color because that's a problematic phrase. Mm -hmm. But they said that color does not inform how they treat a person or how they experience a person because they celebrate all people. But color, whether we like it or not, does impact our choices. And I had to check my own heart on this. It does impact our choices. Uh, you know, just speaking of one thing, you know, entertainment, the music that we listen to, um, you know, the, the movies or, you know, movies we watch, the TV shows we choose to watch. I don't know how many times I've told friends and family, watch Atlanta. You need to see the show. It's an amazing show. I think only one person actually watched it. 
-hmm. out of probably hundreds of people. <laughs> um, but it does impact the choices that we make. It impacts the choices of where we live. Um, you know, where we choose to eat sometimes. I don't know, like, you know, not even just black and, uh, black and white people, but just period. Like I think uh, skin color, I guess does impact the choices that we make or who we feel comfortable around. I guess it's a human trait. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is the question, is that a good or bad thing? Or I guess you're, ex I mean, even thinking about that more, um, how is, I will say this, how is that different? How is seeing color mm -hmm. in, inner, you know, when it comes to choices like that, opposed mm -hmm. to seeing color when it comes to your interactions with people and relationships? I, uh, I can't say that it's explicitly part of my uh, entertainment decisions or food decisions or just you know, places I shop or um, anything like that. I think it, it is. Where I shop. What's that? It definitely impacts where I shop. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm saying ex explicitly though. Mm -hmm. Like I would, uh, and of course in social media, you see all these posts and infographics about like, oh, shop or buy or eat at all these black owned businesses and um, I'm grateful that they're getting all this attention now, but that's now. And where was that all then? You know, the food quality hasn't changed. Mm. The entertainment quality hasn't changed. Um, but in, in my past, I think it has been a big part of that decision. And I would say that most of my decision-making leaned toward uh, white or maybe a mix of other cultures as far as like ethnic food. Mm. Um, you know, I did grow up, you know, trying soul food restaurants and going to places like, you know, Mama J's is a, is, a, is probably one of the bigger ones. Shout out to Mama J's. Mama J's and there's Croker Spot. Uh, Shout out to the Croker Spot. Mamusu's and there's other restaurants here that, you know, people love. Mm -hmm. They're not talked about and they're not as popular because people don't care to entertain those as options. Um, same with other, you know, retail businesses that are, you know, across the country. And then people that don't know that they're black owned, I'm sure they pretty much have, would have preferred to not know that in the past. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, there's prominent black businesses that we all um, are, are patrons of that we don't know. Right, shout out to the wing box on Midlothian, or oh, Robius, <laughs> Robius. Shout out to the wing box. I haven't gone yet, but man, when I saw the like little advertisement for it, I was like, man, we gotta go. They have seafood and wings, mm. like, you know, all types of stuff. But yeah. I get what you're saying, Carl. Yeah. And it's just like stuff like that's overtly uh, immersed in black culture. So like Tyler Perry and whatever he's become, you know, I'm pretty sure people, white people or people not uh, of many other cultures probably prefer not to because they didn't think it would be entertaining or valuable to their, uh, to their experience so that they, that they wanted to have. I have my own feelings about Tyler, Tyler Perry. I do too. We'll, we'll get that on a different episode. Yeah. We, we talk about a lot of people, a different episode, yeah. a different uh, time. But, um, yeah. I, I, you know, I'll just comment real quick. I mean, sure. uh, I think, you know, for me, when it comes to entertainment choices, I think like growing up, it didn't really, you know, it wasn't, I don't think I ever really like explicitly wanted to avoid, you know, shows or mm -hmm. 
you know, with, with black actors or black characters. And thinking back as, as we're talking about this, I, I never watched BET, you know, I never, I, I know, um, like just didn't really even, I wasn't attracted to watching it. I just, and I think, I, I don't know if it's like, if it was like maybe flipping to the channels and the content or the, or the subject matter or the characters, or I don't know what it was, but I think a lot you of it's like self represented. Yeah. I think probably just that, you know? And so and I think as well, because of how many shows and movies have white people in them, mm-hmm. it's, it's easy to just settle for movies and shows with white people in them. It's like, that's the majority of what's out there. Right. And so you have to, you know, go a little bit further, I think, um, to, to really find uh, a lot of great films and movies, sorry, movies and shows represent, like with black people represented. Uh, granted, there's more happening now. There's more diversity in, in Hollywood, thankfully, but there's still a long ways to go. Um, I mean, I could really only count a handful of, you know, black male directors, you know, mm-hmm. working right now. Whereas, you know, probably named 30 white guys. Yeah. I want to, I want to create a segment on this, on this show, on this podcast, y'all, that we get into, um, that we, that we review a movie TV show or content that's different. You know, um, it could be from, um, you know, just a different culture completely. Uh, whereas people can listen and be like, oh man, you know what, you know, like, Hey, let's review Atlanta on here. Um, let's review Spike Lee films. You know, let's review, you know, picking one and then diving deep into it. Maybe people listen and be like, you know what, I'm gonna go watch that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, they all have a Black Lives Matter, Black History thread right now where they put all their Black movies <laughs> up front. You yes, know? it's easier um, to find them now, yes. Yes, it's much easier to find them now. But, you know, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, not, you know, that's not all of black culture right there you know mm-hmm. there's a lot of lesser like you know lighter things you know we're, we're funny too you know we're not yeah. just oh, yeah. here serious thinking about race all the time like you know we have a good time too yeah. you know and you could say even black culture is a mix of a lot of things inspired True. by many things you think of like Wu-Tang clans and kung fu or Man. films i want to say uh Antoine Fuqua with Training Day was inspired by gangster movies of, of like way, way, way back. And you know, those were yeah. either Jewish or white directors um, of their time, but it inspired a great film. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, go Sorry, ahead. Just to add on to that, yeah. Spike Lee, I mean, has commented mm. on, on several different films from the you know, 50s and 60s and what have you, just that he was influenced by. Mm. Yeah. 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 Actually, I, you know, I didn't know it, actually, until I um, watched a documentary um, about, uh, you know, Black cinema and the history of it. And they were talking about Spike Lee. They finally got to him. And they were talking about, like, yeah, not many people know, but Spike Lee loves musicals. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know how as an actor myself. I didn't pick up on that because he has a lot of musical numbers in his films. If you watch some, especially in school days, there's a whole like jet, like a jazz chorus line slash thing. That's like, this is musical theater at its best, like a part 
in this movie and then they get on with the rest of the movie afterwards you know and then uh there's these huge dance breaks that he has you know you think about the beginning of uh do the right thing where <laughs> rosie perez is just dancing you know uh to enter to introduce the movie you know like this is you know the musical theater is huge like he loves musical theater and he uses aspects in it um yeah, I would like to create, I want that segment to be on at some point. We'll, we'll create it and we'll uh, put it together. But, you know, we can work our way up to Hamilton and people's love for Hamilton. Nice. That <sighs> We're not going to get into that right now. I'll bring my <laughs> wife on here. Huh? My well, wife will take my spot for that episode. Does she love Hamilton? She does. She's Is she willing loves. to listen to any other hip hop? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she'd be willing to listen to other hip-hop. That's kinda... why I love Sammy. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she, she, she's, she likes, you know, she likes, I think she likes the sound, she likes the music. I think, you know, if it ends up, there's if there's like foul language in it, profanity or what have you, it's just, right. she may be turned off by it, but, you know, I think she's she appreciates definitely hip-hop and, and rap. Right. I had a conversation with someone, we'll get into this in a different episode, John, but uh, they said they love Hamilton. They love Hamilton and know all the words to all the songs, but is seriously against listening to any other hip hop other than that. Like, yeah. she's like, oh, I can't stand hip hop. I will never, ever Doesn't listen to hip hop. Doesn't make any sense because there's so I'm much like, of hip hop in Hamilton. Like, so many references to older hip hop songs. And like, like obvious nods to prominent rappers, like legendary rappers, like. Nas and Rock, like there's like so yeah, many. Yeah. Did they recognize that Hamilton was hip hop? I guess. Okay. I don't know. Into <laughs> this a different episode. There's a different episode. Music blind, y'all. Music blind. Oh man, that's another another segment we talk about music. I, I, I don't hear music. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I don't hear music. <laughs> I don't see music. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess lastly, um, I wanted to get into Kelly Jane. You you spoke about um, a Twitter feed, and uh, I guess oh, I was, yeah. you can go ahead. I'm gonna let you explain it because you know the tea on that. Yeah. So Kristen Bell, an actress who's white, um, came out with a book recently called "The World Needs More Purple People." The point of the book essentially is to help kids seek similarities first with people that might look different or act different just to kind of set the stage for mm -hmm. kids to be looking for what do we have in common, what can we bond over. Um, says, what is a purple person? Great question. I mean, really, really great because purple people always ask really great questions. They bring their family, friends, and communities together, and they speak up for what's right. And it kind of, kind of goes on from there. So that's like the point of the book. Um, but she has gotten a lot of backlash. Uh oh. Um, you know, on Twitter, as Twitter does, um, someone tweeted. Twitter is quick to cancel you. Yeah, real quick. Um, Twitter said. So before we start. Someone tell Kristen Bell the colorblind thing was helpful in like 1971. The big plan to get white folks to stop cracking n-word, close call, over the head by saying, <laughs> wait, they're not black, they're people. And then an, another Twitter person says, now why in a world full of actual people of actual colors would Kristen Bell need to make up purple people to teach children about living in a multicultural society? And why does she think she has the range to do that anyway? Most white people don't even know anyone but whites. 
So yeah, I kind of just wanted to get your guys' reaction on that if you think that Twitter people are, if yeah. they're right, if they're missing the point, if canceling is a good thing. They're not wrong, but they're not right. I guess, so here's the thing, and I think a lot of people don't get this, and I'm, I'm speaking specifically to my white friends and family that I love. Um, I'm trying to, I gotta like keep it raw because I gotta say this as clearly as I can. Black people, black people are angry. <laughs> African-American people are angry. Like I, James Baldwin, and I want to look up the actual quote, um, actually, but um, I'll come back with a quote while somebody else is talking. But, um, you know, James Baldwin's quote, I don't want to misquote him because it's James Baldwin, talks about the Negro in America is a very complex person. Um, and he talks about this like rage or this this anger, right? Um, but I'm gonna get you the actual quote. But I would say to be black in this country is to be on the brink of rage almost at all times, in my opinion. I think I think I can be like I feel like I'm always on the verge of rage when it comes to things like this. And I feel like I'm like, man, it's just I'm hoping that something doesn't come to pass that pushes me over the edge but i'm close to the edge <laughs> like the, the uh, <laughs> don't push me don't push me because i'm close to the edge i just shout out, to, shout out to grandmaster flash and the furious it's five like a jungle sometimes it makes you wonder <laughs> the message come on jay look you're close to the edge i do not want to go over it but i yeah. and i think some people need to understand that hey you you may need to just under like understand or at least don't take it the wrong way i would say to anna kendrick like just g give them one you mean give yeah. twitter or black twitter one jokers is angry mm. okay um and they express their anger. They're not going to bite their tongue, especially right now, you know? Mm -hmm. um, they're angry. They have anger to deal with. And, you know, they have feelings to, like, to grieve that they haven't gotten to. So when they see something like this, they're like, you you don't understand me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You just don't understand. And that's, I mean, even the reason for this podcast, that, like, you know, I, I realize that. I've lived so long with the notion of, man, these white people around me do not understand one bit of me. And now I've moved to, I have to do something about it, you know? Um, but I'll let somebody else share while I get the quote up. Yeah. So when um, when was this book released, Kelly Jane? Honestly, I don't know off the top of my head. It was very, very recent. Okay. It's a 2020 book. Gotcha. So yeah, it's definitely a sensitive time to have this book come out. Mm -hmm. um, my impression is I haven't read the book and I'm not sure what all the context or nuances of what the message of it is and it just seems like it's just untimely um, and to the point of one of the, the quotes you read like maybe the 1970s would have been a great time for it or maybe just not 2020 BLM uh, uh, and the hot of all this is the time mm -hmm. to really sell something like that. So just the timing of it is really problematic is what you're saying. I, I think that's what's exacerbating it. Mm. I, I'm sure people will have the issues regardless, but mm -hmm. um, 
there's not there's not going to be much depth into what she's trying to share there because of everything going on right now. Yeah, it's just going to be superficial and sensational right now. Yeah, I got the quote. Um, James Baldwin, who is an amazing author, amazing author, someone you should an amazing speaker. You know, a lot of people didn't don't know too much about James Baldwin, but he is absolutely amazing. Um, you know, you should definitely look him up. Great movie, a documentary is called uh, I Am Not Your Negro. You should check it out. It's on uh, Amazon right now for free or Amazon Prime. Uh, the quote, it says, to be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be in a rage almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would even, I mean, I'm not saying that James Baldwin is wrong, but I think at this point in this country, like this time, like that was then when he said it in the 60s. I would say now, uh, especially after, you know, giving my life to Christ and how transformative the word of God is and how Jesus, you know, works in the heart. I think I would amend that <laughs> to saying to be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be on the brink of rage almost all the time. Because I'm not in rage, but I feel like I'm on the edge. Mm-hmm. You're tempted. I'm tempted. I'm tempted with rage. Yeah. Mm-hmm almost all the time. Um, so I think, like you said, Carl, it's like, man, look, now's not the time. <laughs> you know, you got you know, let people calm down a little bit first. But yeah, any last thoughts? Yeah, I just quick, just a quick comment on Kristen Bell's book. I like, you know, just Kristen like Carl. Bell, why don't you say Anna Kendrick? I don't know. Why do you do that? Uh, you said Anna Kendrick. <laughs> I said Anna Kendrick. I'm sorry, Anna Kendrick, oh, I put you in this. <laughs> I didn't mean to bring you into this argument. Uh, <laughs> Kristen Bell. Who is Anna Kendrick? Another Perfect. actress. Okay. I, I only am going off what the summary you, you read to us was, Kelly Jane, but it seems like the book just had a completely different, has a completely different motivation or direction mm-hmm. than one that's addressing race uh, and race, race issues and issues of racism, systemic racism, uh, which I think um, people who are responding on Twitter are probably thinking about all those different things and that they're having you know, anguish about, and rightfully so, and then seeing this book that's like, oh, hey, can we all just get along? Mm. And, and thinking it's maybe belittling the issues and not really, like, seeing the truth of the hurts that they've experienced. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it seems like the, the title, Purple People, We Need More Purple People, uh, blah, 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 We Need More Purple People, uh, but it is an idea, okay, this whole red and blue, right? You were mentioning, uh, as we were talking before we started recording, uh, you know, hey, red, you know, being Republican, blue meaning, meaning Democrat, maybe it was more of just trying to go at an angle of the fact that there's so much political divide uh, in this yeah. country and people having different uh, political views and not being able to love, you know, basically uh, polarizing our, our society yeah. and that people are not willing to come to common ground on, on just being able to be human beings with one another. Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe that, that sounds like more what her motivation may have been, but... Um, uh, unfortunately, yeah, just bad timing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. And I, I think in that case, I think your point again is, is to look for similarities before differences. Um, but I could see it being read like this is just erasing all differences, which is something we talked about before. Like, would that even be a good thing? Um, and I, I think not. I think we need to celebrate our differences. So I see where they're coming from. Yeah. Yeah, celebrating, which brings me to the end of our point, or at least what it seems like we're coming out of this with, is that when on the basis of seeing color, there's a lot more than meets the eye, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but that go beyond that. And I didn't want to get into wording because I don't want to correct people on what they say, but I would say, think twice about that. Think twice about what you're saying and communicating. Because the truth is, there's a lot of people in my life that I know that say, hey, Dom, I don't see color. And I mean that. They, don't, they may not be listening to the problematic stuff about saying that phrase, but I would urge them even from this talk that there's experiences and things that you're not getting. Mm-hmm. You may need to open yourself up to listening to other people, listening to their experiences and allowing yourself to experience people's culture, mm-hmm. learn from them, celebrate them, like you said, Kelly Jane. Um, well, I will say this, when I don't see color is said, to take a quote from a, um, a journalist by the name of By um, I Am Every Girl, that's her name. She says, <clears throat> when I don't see color is said to me, I hear, I don't see you. Mm-hmm. You're choosing to ignore a part of me because it makes you more comfortable. It feels like a casual dismissal. When you say, I don't see color, it feels like you're saying, I don't see you. I don't hear you. I don't understand you. And the purpose is, man, we have to see each other. Mm -hmm. We have to hear each other and we have to understand each other. It's going to take listening. You know, it's going to take listening. Uh, For those of you out there and you're listening to this, don't let it stop here. Um, Talk to somebody. Even some of the things that we talked about on here, uh, go hey, share this with someone. I would challenge you, the Dom challenge, <laughs> um, you know, share this with a neighbor. Share this with someone that doesn't look like you. Say, hey, I listened to this podcast and they were talking about this, man. And at first I didn't really see it this way, but now I kind of do. I, I just, I want to learn about your experiences. I want to look into the interests of someone else because that's the right thing to do. And that's how we are to heal from this thing. This is how we are to heal and, and go forward and move forward through this. Mm-hmm. So um, that's seeing color, y'all. We'll be back with a uh, <laughs> a different topic altogether. I have no, we have a whole list, y'all, and counting. We have a whole list and counting. I have no idea what we're going to dive into next, but I'll be. I'm sure it's going to be juicy. Um, so awesome, guys! Thanks. Mm-hmm.